And now we've hit record, so that means this is another official. The longest, this is the first time in, uh, I can't remember, since last April, maybe? No, no, I'm sorry, last May, that we're doing a four-banger, okay? So we need to pace ourselves for a four-banger. Right. You know, I was going to ask, you know, I was going to ask, yesterday I was talking to my son Colton, and we were just talking about the way, and I said, before the, the world went to hell in a handbasket. And then we started talking about where the hell, what the hell, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> hell in a handbasket. Like did you, you not go look to it hell up? In a, in a handbasket or? Did you not look it up? You, 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 no, I didn't look it up. Well, I was driving. <laughs> now, now you come to the program and uh, you, you bring up a topic and you, you have no, uh, no backup. I don't have an answer for that. Okay, well, I've got, no, got no backup, man. <laughs> you guys would know with your I'm, you well, know, I'm what am I the are, large, are we the urban brains. are we the urban dictionary no all right now are you looking Here's it up or should when, I? You, when you come back with the news at uh, whatever time uh, do that little bit bit of research and we'll we'll pull that right through the show what does hell oh. in a handbasket where did it come from because I okay, could google good. it right now but no let's tease the audience because none of them oh, yeah. have the ability to google either <laughs> yeah, that's what the audience is going to do. Okay, it's only 45 minutes before Dan comes back with what the hell in a handbasket means. <laughs> yes, let's pull it through four yeah. stops. Do you think uh, Do you think we will be circling back? Is that what they call it? Well, let's circle back to that. Let's. Is that the phrase people yeah. use? Yeah, I yeah. think that's about it. Like you're pre-selling. That's the radio term. You're pre-selling yeah. what's coming up, right? Well, or, or as Fred said, hooking through the stop set. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know what a stop set is, that's uh, anytime uh, you hear you hear a radio show and they go to the commercials in radio, we call that a stop set. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of pre-sell, uh, Dan, any word on uh, a new shack or are you still in negotiations? Still in negotiations, <laughs> yes. Jesus. You know, they've, they've actually negotiated <laughs> Middle East peace accords in less time than it's taken for you to, to figure out which trailer you want. Next July, Dad will still be the hobo trailer thing. We're negotiating. <laughs> That's right. As long as we're negotiating, I can keep the colonel on here. No, my favorite part of this. <laughs> my favorite part of this yeah. is when he, we ask him about it after the show. He goes, "Well, I, I tried to have a meeting with the guy, but he wasn't yeah. there. Well, really? Right. Well, that's true. Yeah. Well, I had a meeting with the guy." On uh, on the weekend, I had a uh, right. eleven o'clock meeting that lasted for an hour and a half. So wow, we, and bang, we banged out a lot of stuff. Oh, <laughs> well, I, we got a, I got a piece of paper. Now I got to really think about it. You know, do I want to do this? It's a big, oh, I big thing, and I got to make sure I've covered all the bases because you know you don't, mm-hmm. and then you expect something or you assume something, and then you find out what you have assumed is not really the truth. So now you're you know, pissed off, or they're pissed off, and you don't want to have that. You want to well, you know. One thing I know about you, and this is a compliment, you are very, very thorough. I, do, I am going to need yeah. you to give me 5% less because you, yeah. you're because when you do oh. make a point with your giant booming man voice, it's uh, yeah. overwhelming, Fred. The um, one thing I've learned through the years, too, no matter what you think it's going to cost you, it's going to cost more. So you just have to go into any. It, it, it's just the way it is. There's always add-ons. There's there's always this. There's there's always that, and it's like, oh fuck, I didn't think about that going in. But anyway, that's the way it is. And when it's a big ticket item like that, that cost extra can uh, be sizable. But anyway, that aside, if Dan's going to open the show, I want to get back to David uh, Howard and um, more on that. 
David Howard. Oh, my brother David. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to find out more about David Howard. <laughs> I was like, who are we talking about? David Howard. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, uh, sure. Uh, let's start the show then. Dan Duran. Okay, I'm sorry. Was there some reason you're not? Do you need more preparation time before you want to open the show? Well, uh, yeah, it was, that took me by surprise. I didn't know right then. I was, I had, a, I was, had, I started looking up. Is, is it uh, because you don't have a mouse? I did not engage my mouse today. You're right. I did not. It's well, not look here. at who this look. The, it's the look who's calling the mouse black or something. Look who, right. old Mister Get a Mouse. Are you, uh, are you ready I, now? I am ready now. <laughs> okay. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studios in Toronto, from our well-equipped Brampton facility with a winterized pool, and from Lisa's Peterborough dining room table. And it's brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. And now here are two men who tried to distance themselves from all of the horrible news by spending the weekend watching adorable videos of dogs wearing clothes and searching the internet for black, light, velvet paintings. It's Humble and Friend. Mm, very good. Glad you didn't screw that up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dandoran. Uh, usually on Monday, we don't have a guest. But we're going to make it a special exception. Dan's goddaughter, my actual daughter and friend of Fred's since the day she was born. Charlie Michelle, Glassman, will be our guest later to talk about running the Toronto Waterfront Marathon. And I won't give much away except to say, as a dad, uh, I was very proud of my daughter. But not for the reason that you might think. And all that you want to talk about teasing, I will tell you, I'll reveal the reason uh, later also on the show today. Something that I know will delight the Fred man. He will love it because it involves me and confrontation. (laughs) (laughs) Yawn. Oh, you will love it because I got into a street fight with an older man. Good. <laughs> oh yeah. When do you want to talk about that? Oh, listen. I'm going to. Te- listen. I know we're teasing the hell in a handbasket. We got so much teasing today. Oh, yeah. But uh, I'll uh, I'll reveal the kerfuffle that I found myself in yesterday. It's quite a day. A lot of them. <laughs> a lot of big emotions. Uh, anyway, welcome everybody, and uh, of course, uh, Dan Duran's news and all that stuff. That, that wasn't your cue to leave. I was, you know, trying to sell the show, you know, because that's kind of right, what yeah. I do. And don't forget the hell in a handbasket. I said that. Did you just now? I just said it yes. a second ago. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sorry. We're trying to find your mouse. What, did you hide it up your a hole? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're, we're back. Is the a hole still in play, Fred, with Dan, or is it off limits? Oh no, that's all over. Remember. Okay, so we can go a-hole as well. <laughs> it's funny, because I had on this sheet I had written down, during the contest, right, uh, I was talking about taking uh, the kids to the um, the Argo game, mm-hmm. and I had written down, um, 
you know, when I went to the concession stand, I had written down I was going to, you know, I, I bought, you know, a couple of poutines, uh, some chicken fingers, uh, a couple of dandarans. And then you guys, <laughs> and then you guys were going to go, what's a, what's a dandaran? And I was going to say, a foot long. <laughs> see, very funny. See the way you set up the jokes? Yeah, I see it. You see the way you set up the jokes? I mean, it would have been better when you actually did it, like, you know, last week, but that's fine. Oh, you can go I back. Know. And, you can go back hey, and talk. Hey, this is real talk. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I'm just, like, uh, telling you what actually happened. Okay, it was great. It was real talk. Cool. <laughs> so, I will, um, yeah, I'll, I'll explain the latest in a lifetime of just. And here's the thing I'll just tell, I'm going to sell it forward by this thing. Like, yeah, I'm going to, in advance, technically, it was my fault. Technically. Don't surprise. Who's your dad? That's not true. That's not fair because they're not all technically my fault. No, but you see confrontation where often where there isn't any. Oh, no, but this was this oh, was yeah, the kind of sure. confrontation where mm-hmm. the other party involved <laughs> was just way. You're at a party. Oh. Yeah, I am. All right. Fucking. Did you, I'm did sorry. You you, wait, hang on a second. I'm sorry. Did you have you not talked to any other grown ups this weekend? Because now <laughs> you had a party um, where the other okay, let me just see if I can get the other person. It was technically my fault, but the other person took it way beyond what it needed to be. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say. So it's kind of like meeting your former self. Funny you say that. Funny you say that, Dan Duran. Not interesting, but funny. Because mm-hmm. in the middle of this confrontation that I found myself in, I was like, wow, is that what I used to, <laughs> is that, is that what I used to look like? Anyway, I've said enough. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, yeah, uh, we'll yeah. get to that. Because you, you asked me about my brother. Yes, I did. Because, you know. Certain observations I had over the weekend, too. I just can't figure some things out. I just can't. So explain how David well, felt and why how, he felt that way. How it started. We just, this happened just before we hit record. Because as it's, we, we were talking about the many, many people. People that we know and people that we're, we only know through the show. Mm-hmm. Reached out to the show. Reached out to me. Some directly. I got a lot of private messages after my little diatribe on Thursday about having, you know, how curious I was that this Israeli thing had happened. And in three and a half days, almost four days of doing the show, we had zero mentions of it. And I I tried to make it. And this I had this conversation with my older brother, David, yesterday. I told him that I had tried to make it not really about me, although, yeah, I was a little disappointed in the audience for to be if we're being real i was just disappointed that no one had not just a hey howard how are you feeling about this but just that nobody had said anything about it it was as though 9-11 had happened and nobody emailed our show which is weird because we talked about it every day and even if i weren't of the hebrew faith by the way speaking of that just just pause that for a second you know i know if you guys saw this on the weekend but now in germany there was a, a rash of people putting stars of David, stars mm-hmm. of David on Ger- on German Jews' homes. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? You know, kind of like the old days. And, and, you know, so this is a pretty crazy thing. And as I said to David, you know, 
you know, when, when you've got Australians and people in Germany doing these things and Australians yelling gas the Jews. And it's more than just this Middle Eastern conflict. Anyway, long story to wrap it up. A lot of people reached out to us. Our, we were going to, uh, you know, we, we mentioned one of them was uh, Nancy Ball. A friend of the show, friend of Fred, a friend of ours, friend of Fred Ball's wife, who's part Jewish. Can one be part Jewish? Uh, as far as she, she comes from Jewish ancestry. I, I mean, you're, you're Jewish. If the weird thing about Judaism, <clears throat> many weird things, by the way, many many weird things. But one of the strangest things, uh, hereditarily wise, if that's a word, hereditarily, is that it can only come from you're only Jewish if your mother's Jewish. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird. I guess, although you come from inside her body, maybe there's something uh, attached to that. <clears throat> yeah, I know. But if you're so, if your father's Jewish and your mother's not, you're not Jewish anyway. So I don't know what level of sp- hey, the womb trumps the sperm. All right, Jesus. <laughs> I guess that's the deal. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Rabbi Fred, <laughs> I didn't know you were a biblical scholar. So uh, we got a lot of uh, obviously a lot of people reached out after my thing on Thursday. And I was talking to my older brother yesterday, who's spent a lot of time in, in his youth and after college or sorry, after uh, high school. And then during the first couple of years of university, spent a lot of time in Israel. And so did my brother, Stephen, not as much as my brother, David. So my brother called me yesterday and he had not heard my little outburst on thursday but i was saying to you guys i've rarely heard him i don't want to use the word depressed or despondent but just without words like he he called me up i was on my way home from charlie's uh, at the end of the day and i could just hear in his voice that he just didn't know what to say about it all and then we had a long conversation about it and, and told i told him that we'd been talking about it on the show he hadn't he listens to us sort of irregularly but and uh, I'm sorry. Would you have another joke? <laughs> Do you have another regular joke? I can always, I can always tell. I was I re- gonna, but it's not. No, no, no. It wasn't the time. <laughs> no, fuck. I don't care. No. <laughs> Do it. It's not the time. You said Does that ever, I was going to say like I like, shit, like I right. shit. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> when you, it's not the time. No, but when you hour. say it's Come not. The, no, when you say it's not the time. How has that ever stopped you before? Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I have nothing. Well, that's it. I was just saying. He, I could tell that. This is all overwhelming to him. He's a 71-year-old dude. So he's like legit, you know, pondering what this all means. And I'll just finish by saying that one of the things he said, because we're talking, he's, he knows the region way more than I do and can name off all mm-hmm. kinds of things he said. Because we, you know, I'm, I'm, I know you guys have seen this, but you know that there's, the U.S. is sending um, aircraft carriers. Mm-hmm. Countries from all over the world are sending, you know, right. um, troops into that area. And the thing that David said that sort of worried me a little bit, sort of worried me, gave me pause was, uh, he said, you know, I think this is, there's something bigger going on. Well, there, yeah, it becomes a regional conflict and who knows from there, right? Who sticks their nose in after that? You know, I mean, you look back over the world's major conflicts and how they started. They they didn't expect world wars to begin from the seed of what they did and this is something this is something similar 
I mean, I could you know? say, look, look, look what's been started by your seed. I mean, uh, you know, but I, <laughs> that's not the time. Um, well, no, you're right. World wars have been started for a lot less than this. Uh, what he was talking about, too, like he said, you know, you think about it. China and, and Russia are now aligned. China, China is not going to stop buying Middle Eastern oil anytime soon. No. No, I know. It's, uh, it's you know, you try not to think about it, but you can't help. What, what bothers me through it all, you know, again, these American universities, even here in Toronto, a couple of universities, the very people that, you know, always stand by, you know, they're against misogyny and they're against, you know, it's pro-choice and against racism. And so many of those people, the position they've taken... And this isn't just at the universities, too. In other areas, you said about this, what's going on in Germany. The people that, you know, that all go out of their way, like, you know, far left-leaning people, to stand on guard for so many issues. And when it comes to this one now, or just none of it, none of it's valid. None of it makes sense. You know, when they're in some ways actually defending Hamas from the standpoint, well, you know, the Israels, Israelis, if they hadn't done this, then Hamas, would, Hamas wouldn't have done that. And it's like, wow, what a twisted way of looking at things. Well, you know? I mean, I think, and I think most normal, rational, normal, most rational people can, can have to the, the opinion that the Palestinians, yes, you, you can have sympathy for Palestinians and yet not start, you know, putting stars of David on your on Jewish people's homes and yelling gas mm-hmm. the Jews. Yes. Um, I wanted to sum up basically that a, a lot of people sent notes. Yes, they sent the show notes, but a lot of it was directed at me. A lot of people sent me some private notes. One of my favorite lines came from our friend Stephanie Wilkinson. I hope she doesn't mind me reading this. She write a lo- wrote a long note about, you know, again, the horror, the horrors that we've all witnessed in the last six or seven days. And at the end of her note, she says, as a privileged person who has never had to be afraid because of my religion, I'm sorry I was slow to acknowledge and begin to wrap my head around this hatred that you were born into. And of course, I always defer. But people, for years, I used to say people, people would say to me, oh, was there something about your homeland? I said, well, what's going on in Saskatchewan? As a joke, you know, like I'm, that's my homeland. But the truth is, I'm not religious, but I can't avoid being Jewish. And uh, I guess what I was feeling on Thursday was kind of like a reflection of like, wow, if Fred were Jewish or Dan were Jewish, I'd send him a note. Hey, how are you guys doing? How do you feel about this? And I thought for the considering the amount of real talk we do on the show, I just thought it was odd that there was no acknowledgement, not not necessarily of me, but of this thing that had gone on, because I guarantee you after 9-11, we would have gotten hundreds of emails about it. And we got zero in four days. Now we've gotten hundreds since, but for the first four days, it was. Did you want to say something, Daniel? No, 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 go. no. But for the first four days, it was nothing. Which I and and so did you, by the way. You found it odd too. No, I, I know, but to compare it to nine eleven is tough too because so much has changed. Again, social media, the way people access to information, assuming people know now, and all these things. It's 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 different. Um, okay, well, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't, yeah. I don't agree, but I'm not sure what's different about it. I'm just saying a, a huge world event happened, and we got no 
and, then, and by the way, all of this started again, real talk was because Thursday morning while we were talking about the emails, I said, do you not think it's weird that we've gone and, and you did, you felt, you felt it was odd that we had no, no emails. No, but through all those emails we got, it, it, they all had a common theme. I'm exhausted. There's so much shit going on. I don't even know how to begin to attack it. That was generally, and we had actually said that when we were talking about this on Thursday. It's just people just don't know what to say or how to approach it. So they don't, whether that's an excuse or not. But that seemed to be a theme that I took from that. Would you not agree? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was their explanation for a lot of people. You know, I got, you know, again, I got a lot of messages, you know, people that know me well enough to have my uh, phone, you know, sent me some interesting messages. And, and yeah, a lot of it was just, again, not an ex, not an excuse, but an explanation that it was overwhelming. There was a lot. It was too much to take mm-hmm. in. And I'm not trying to make, by the way, I'm not going to keep harping on this argument that people should have emailed. I just found it curious. Forget Howard, that there was no emails about it. Like, hey, what do you guys think about this thing? Anyway. Yeah, if we were in a position where we're wondering why didn't this particular person or that particular person, it would be like, well, that's odd. Um, But just generally people, you know, are tuned in and responsive to this. But you're right. There was virtually none. Um, which in itself sort of, again, lends it back to what most of the people were saying. They just didn't know what to say. And like, why? Uh, and if you want to compare things to 2001 with, with 9-11, this would be what's bothered me through this is... Again, you know, when it comes to social justice warriors, you know, they can behave in peculiar ways. It would have been like people hearing a lot of defense of the the perpetrators back in 2001. You know what I mean? I made that point last week. No, I know. But we never through to, you know, through 9-11, we never heard that. If at the time there had been social media, we probably would have. Oh, there was some of it. Oh, there was some of it, but there, here it's, you know, it's, it seems a lot more widespread. This is all so fucking complicated to me. It, 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 now it's more widespread because so many more people have voices and can be heard and be sure. seen I, I through YouTube and all that, that stuff. Um, <laughs> what it does tell us is that nothing has really changed. And we've talked about this with Donald Trump being an enabler. These feelings haven't gone away. They've just bubbled under the surface. And now, you know, through Trump enabling that whole crew and now social media and some attitudes through the universities and everything enabling another point of view to come bubbling through that's always been there it's sort of been suppressed well but now we're seeing how people really think and i don't know how many times i've hang on one second yeah. i don't know how many times i've said this in the last couple of years but anti-semitism is the number one yes. we're number one my friend in every country in the world so it's not doesn't in take toronto in toronto in toronto in every country but, but in by the world. far there's not even the second place isn't even within eyesight we're of put- anti-semitism <laughs> is the is the most committed sort of uh racial crime or whatever you want to call it hate crimes hate crimes crimes, we are putting up hall of fame numbers when it comes to hate crimes so is any surprise that on these university campuses many of Mm -hmm. which have buildings which have been 
donated hundreds of millions of dollars donated by Jews. You know how we do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I said to David, I said, you know, one of these campuses where they were protesting with their pro-Palestinian protests, you know, in front of. That, and then I, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting this. It was an article I read where they said, you know what? These Jewish donors should just say, fuck it. Don't ask us for any more money. But even further to that, it's I get it. And you've said it earlier in the show, and we said it last week. There is an argument for the Palestinian people, the plight of the Palestinian people. What's really disappointed me through this is how many pro-Palestinian people, pro, um, you know, homeland for the Palestinian people and whatever you want to call them, haven't taken the step to um, distinguish between Hamas and in Palestine, you yeah. know, to say, listen, we hate what Hamas has done. Like a lot of those protests I saw on the, the news online this weekend when they were talking to these people that were defending the Palestinians and whatever went on over there. None of them said made that distinction. Not one. Oh, yeah, what Hamas did was really horrible, but we've got to look at this, the other side. Right. It was almost like they fucking deserved it. Absolutely. It Dan, weird. What were you, well, you've been trying to say something there, Dan. Go ahead. Well, just a couple of thoughts. One is that uh, it, this is not a black and white situation. I mean, it, it, like the whole Israeli-Palestinian mm-hmm. conflict is, is really difficult to wrap your head around. And a lot of people don't. Um, they just know top top line kinds of things. And in the first few days after that conflict or after Hamas did their, the horrible things that they did. The massacre, I believe, is the word you're looking for. Yeah. When they massacred people, you know, at the music concert or the yeah. whatever, the, all of that was it, it, it didn't. It, it kind of registers, oh, there's always conflict there. There's always, you know, rockets and stuff and whatever. It, it, it didn't rise for a few days in people's minds that it was bigger than I would just, agree. I mean, yeah. And so, the, so the, the delay in reaction and stuff may have totally been because people didn't realize the magnitude of what was actually happening. That's a fair point. I've, I've read uh, uh, a couple things about this and kind of wondering what the hell. Why would, like, Hamas has no hope. In the long run, they're, they're, they're not furthering their cause, except I didn't really understand their cause. They really just don't want. They just like don't they want Jews to. Oh, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Their, their became, cause is quite clear. They want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. That's their cause. And kill Jews. All the Jews. Right. But they're going to wipe their own it's organization. A, it's in all, it's in all their, this. Dan, it's in all their literature. <laughs> it's in, yeah, no, I, yeah. That, they, they got some no, yeah. crazy pamphlets. You would believe <laughs> Seriously, that's what I'm saying. You look at any of their pamphlets, all of this, it, starts, it starts with kill all Jews, and then it goes down from there. Point right. one, yeah. kill more Jews. Yeah. Dan, what yeah. was the second thing you were trying, what's the point you were trying to make? Well, I was trying to make this, that, that uh, some experts are saying that, the, that what they were trying to do is activate the entire the world around yes, I've read that. that area. Yep. And and to to say, well, this is the opening salvo of the greater war that everybody wants to get rid of Israel in this region. So let's do it now. Yep. And this is this is the spark that will light that fire. And uh, that's not I, I hope that that's not what happens. People don't also realize that Hamas was elected in 2006 to be, you know, part of yeah. the, or to be the government. Dan, of, I, I made, again, I made that point Hamas. Monday and Tuesday. I said Israel has not controlled the area since 2005 or 2006. Um, 
Yes. And, and you know, I did a lot of reading. The, I went back to the Ottoman Empire. I went back to the early 1900s. I did a lot of reading this weekend to try, and it's overwhelming to try and understand the complexity. You know, I could throw a few, you know, spit some facts at you. You know, the fact is they've, they've been offered, that, you know, again, you know, it's easy for me to choose these facts, but, you know, there have been attempts made many times for a two-state solution for one of the reasons one of the theories we talked about last week is that you know uh, Saudi Arabia and and Israel were moving toward some kind of working together partnership and and let's by the way let's not excuse the Israeli government and again also not conflate the Israeli government with the Israeli people because their government has been fucking things up as well so there's a lot as Dan, Dan to your point it's a very complex issue well, yeah, it is, and not, and and you know, to draw parallels. I mean, what we see going on, it gets back to that question of why, too. And I think this one's a little more clear cut. It's like, okay, Donald Trump's an asshole, and he's got all these followers and all these people that want him to be president. You can just say again, they're assholes, or what has turned them into asshole? What has happened along the way that make them follow this fool? Mm-hmm. You know, and. You look at Hamas now, what they're so the Israeli government, uh, the Israeli army told everybody to go to the south of Gaza because they're going to level that city. And that fair warning. Listen, leave now because it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. Well, what does Hamas tell all the people? No, stay in place. Yeah, stay in place. Right? Why? Because it's good for Hamas. They don't care how many Palestinian people die through this. Having those people stay in place, number one, it acts as a shield for them. Number two, any Palestinians that die, it just adds fuel to their fire and enhances their argument. So there are Palestinians that, again, why would they follow the advice of Hamas, right? So what has led to this? And it's been, it's, it's years and years of thinking they've been second-class citizens you know? and, and the whole apartheid thing i don't have i don't have all the numbers in in front of me but i'd heard these numbers that a, you know a large portion of gazans don't want hamas in charge a, sure. a large portion of them want to find a way to work together with israel but the people in charge you know the hamas again read the, read up on them they don't want they're not looking for i'm not even sure this is the right word a detente they don't they don't want a, a solution they want their solution is get rid of all the jews but to your point or your point on my point how it galvanizes jew hatred it's my point how it galvanizes mm-hmm. it is dizzying like and i think that's why you know people like nancy ball and my brother and stephanie wilkinson and other people that messaged me personally you know i say things like i just have no idea what to say and i heard that a lot and and there are Mm -hmm. no words says nan no words of comfort that anyone can say this time you know and israel is not the israeli government this Netanyahu guy, Netanyahu guy, Netanyahu um, guy, not the, you know, a lot of people don't believe he's the, you know, been the greatest uh, leader. Um, and Israel has done things and many Palestinians have died. Through military uh, incursions. But mm-hmm. what they, and, and, and Dan, you made a good point. It took a couple days for us to realize that these fuckers went in and they just 
killed people. Just they 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 were going in to not in, not they didn't want to because they, they're too they're too cowardly to in, involve the IDF. They went in to to kill mm-hmm. women, children, babies, old people, young. They just went in to kill citizens. And you know what? That's what's disgusting about it. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> As I said earlier, that's the one thing that's bothered me. Probably, well, I'm not going to say the most through this, but very, very disturbing. Through any defense of that side, the Palestinian side, I'm not hearing that distinction. I'm not hearing people say, you know, that was bad. I mean, we have this cause. We need our own homeland. They need their own homeland. And the rules need to be better for them. But, you know, what Hamas did, that was horrible. That's not the way to do it. I haven't heard a lot of that from that side. It's just weird. It's almost like they're in a position now where these are the tactics you have to use to finally get something done, going back to what Dan said a few minutes ago. And I mean, really, that's where we're at. Like, I saw pictures of the weekend, like a a baby full of bullet holes. Like, really? Really? Yeah. Isn't that enough to make that distinction between what you need and the tactics to get it? There was some uh, story there where the Israeli government sort of walked back this idea that babies' heads were beheaded, but then they showed pictures of babies that were burned alive. So just an update, Hamas apparently didn't chop babies' heads off, but they did burn them alive. So if, you know, let's not, let's not, hey. In front of their parents. Yeah, let's give credit where credit is due. They did not chop their heads off. So um, I've made many points. You've made many points. I don't know what else there is to say. But on our Thursday email show, we will have lots of your reaction to this story. And and, uh, my last thing I want to say is I understand, too, that this is not great. And it's not going to be good for Jews going forward. I get this because of what's about to happen in Gaza is not going to be a great PR move for the Israelis. I understand that. It's going to be terrible. And it's only going to end this... You know, again, I'm not, and I'm, I say this to you, Dan, not just because you're of Germanic background, but <laughs> kind of, because um, I'm still, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons I torture you is to get back for all the, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I get it. But the, but to put, like, to mark Jewish homes, to mark them is such a disgusting thing. And so harkens back, harken, so, you know, is reminiscent of one of the worst periods in human history. And what, what to do that, again, to, to the idea that, yeah, okay, Israel shouldn't do some of the things it's done in Palestine. But to do that, that's not about Israel. That's just, that's the distinction. That's about Jews. And that's the difference between this and all other conflicts. You can have a problem with Israel, but what you do is you go from Israel to Jews. Because all the people around the world that are saying gas the Jews, they weren't saying gas the Israelis. No. So true. Yeah. Yeah. So I can tell you my homeland isn't Israel, but I am Jewish. And if you put a star on, on my house here, you're going to get into a conflict like I got into yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's another thing, too, about people. Someone might argue, yeah, but how many stars? What did that happen to four or five houses? Now it becomes world news. Well, number one, if it was four or five, it should become news because, as you say, a throwback to old horrible times. Um, 
number two, it, it, it's again, it's that thing I was talking about earlier. There's this simmering thing below the surface. You know, in our politically correct times, a lot of stuff has been suppressed, but it hasn't been eliminated. It's mm-hmm. still there. And you just need people to fucking lift the cap, you know, and let it out. And that's what we're seeing. Well, and that's why I say, you know, that to, to me, what I just said is the is the demarcation of this conflict. You could have a problem with Israel, but it goes right back to hatred of Jewish people worldwide for reasons that have nothing to do with what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, all right. So there's the first uh, part of our show. We're going to switch gears here. And uh, we can always come back. I mean, this, this isn't going away anytime soon. Dan Duran uh, will do the news. Uh, Charlie's going to join us. You know, why don't you come back when you normally do, and then you can be part of that Charlie conversation before you do the news. Okay. And, uh, and when, Dan comes, when Dan comes back, I will, <laughs> I will tell you. Oh, the, uh, just uh, this, the things that happen to me in a day just make me laugh. Oh, we got to wait till Dan comes back. Well, I, you know, I kind of need Dan back because he's going to, he'll have, oh, this is very enraged, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we do have some business to take care of. This uh, radio program, well, it's not a radio program anymore. This uh, podcast is uh, supported by so many nice people. Yeah, you can do it. Yes, you can. You can have a uh, group benefits plan for your small business. It's called the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Get a free quote today. Go to chamberplan.ca. It's all there. Uh, you put in the parameters of your uh, business. Um, hey, how much do you want to spend? How much can you spend? And there is a solution. You can buy it at different levels. Hey, start slow, then uh, speed up, you know, as you go along, uh, depending on what your situation is for your small business. But hey, your employees will love it, you know, dental and prescriptions to start off with, I guess, and some travel insurance. They have an HR component now since COVID, mental health, all the things from top to bottom. They've covered it off so that your employees feel secure. Know that when they come to work, you know... They have a benefits package, which is huge for a lot of companies. So go to chamberplan.ca today. Chamberplan.ca. Get a free quote. I'm going to follow up with uh, the Electric Vehicle Network today. See how our uh, contest winner is uh, working out. Rentelectric.ca is how you do it. If you want to uh, give them a call, you can at 1-800-387-9391. The uh, time to do it is now. You know, I'd check it out for a day if you want, or even a weekend, possibly for a week at rentelectric.ca. You know, I was talking to my buddy Dave, who's a uh, big car guy, and even he is starting to get his head around, you know, maybe a a hybrid of some kind. One of the things we were talking about is I'm totally over, and spent the whole summer now, totally over the idea of what happens, you know, if you need to charge it. It's the same as running out of gas. You know, you plan your... You know, if you're if you have a trip coming up, you're going to make sure your tank is full. It's the same with an electric vehicle. It really is, uh, especially now with gas prices. And by the way, speaking of our conflict in the Middle East, those gas prices are definitely going to go up. Maybe now's the time to check it out at rentelectric.ca. That's rentelectric.ca, located in Topico, not far from the Humble and Fred Studios, Dundas at a 427. 
Um, I'll, I'll mention this just before Charlie gets here. Uh, my day, like I said, it was really started early. I got up at like 545 yesterday morning. By the time I got home last night after our post-marathon pizza party, you know, it was well into the early evening. And I was kind of, you know, I watched the, I had taped the last couple hours of the golf. Watched that. Adam Hadwin from Moose Jaw came in second. Always cool. Seeing, I love hearing them on the U.S. Networks. Because he was born in Moose Jaw. He didn't grow up there, but they always say, from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. And yesterday they said, is there ever, is there a better place to be from on the PGA Tour? And I was going to record it, and then I couldn't. I mean, I could. I just didn't want to bother. Then I watched the Bills game for like an hour and a half till this, until the half. And uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. But I was to tell you really quickly, I really because it's, it's a golf tie-in, Mike Tirico is so good. I don't think I've heard him call football in a while, but he was doing, he did the NBC Sunday night game last night. I'm assuming you watched it, didn't you? Yeah, he does it all the time. No, I know, but I haven't. With Chris Collingwood. Oh, okay. But I haven't. I I hear him a lot on golf, but I don't, I hadn't seen a Sunday night game for a while, and and he's just excellent. You know what, Howard? All the, like, if you watch a Bills game and it's regional, you think, oh, I don't know, it's a, sounds like a cut below the big guys the marquee guys but all of them to me are good like nbc you know like him al michaels jim nance all yeah. the big ones are so i yeah i just they're just the pros man do you think why well, don't know, you mentioned two of the guys i love which are nance and tarico and, and both of them mm-hmm. do golf as well tarico's a big yeah. voice on golf and a smart 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 guy and I don't know, you know, you and I can do this little nonsense show that we've done. But sometimes when I hear Mike Tirico, like I did last night, I often think back to listening to him talk during the Open Championship and how he's got such a command of, well, you know what it's like as a broadcaster, you know, trying to keep a lot of things in perspective and, in you know, at the same time, you're under the pressure of performing. But man, he was good last night. Uh, what do you think of the ball game? Uh, you know, what What do you say? I mean, Giants have a beat-up defense, and Bills were at home, and two weeks ago, they scored how many points against Miami, and they could only manage 14 against the Giants on the heels of another bad offensive performance the week before in London, granted, against uh, Jacksonville. There's some problems with that offense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just, and after the game last night, listening to the post-game show out of Buffalo, it's, um, you know, there's uh, some concern there. This team, when you look at the, you know, Philadelphia, San Francisco, some other teams, they just don't measure up. I mean, when you look at it, you go, wow, they're not of that level for whatever reason when we expected they would be. They were the yesterday, and, and this is more of a bow doggy thing, so maybe you can help me, bow doggy. Uh, they were the most favored to win. But they had, what, what is it? They were the most. Oh, yeah, by 15 and a half points. I think it, it was the largest spread. Lo- in that's whatever. it. The largest spread. Yeah. Uh, any team this year. Period. Yeah, yeah. So 15 and a half points. And they squeaked it. I watched the highlights. So I, I got tired after the second. But by the end of the first half, I was done. So I watched the 12-minute recap. And they barely squeaked that one out. 
Oh, yeah. They didn't score a touchdown to the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, having said that, they could easily be 6-0. and oh. <laughs> Yes. Because they've won those four games. And the two they lost, they could have easily won. You know. So, you know, they've just got to get better. And it's so predictable, right? Listening to the post game show, people that call in, you know, the people in Buffalo, the sportscasters, the guy that ho- the guys that host those post game shows. It's it's funny how quickly they want people fired, right? Mm-hmm. Coach has got to go. <laughs> this guy's got to go. That's and that right. guy's got to go. But hey, that's the nature of the beast. The offensive coordinator, he sucks. What's he doing? <laughs> Uh yeah, but I mean disappointment all all round. But again, they're four to four and two, and you know what they say: you just got to get into the playoffs and then see what happens. But seriously, when you see some other teams, but again, now I'm contradicting myself because there was a lot of upsets yesterday. Mm-hmm. San Francisco lost, Philadelphia lost to teams that they shouldn't lose to, and there was a few more upsets as well. And. Uh, so that's the way the game is on any given Sunday, as they say. Yeah. Right? Well, I, I didn't know what to expect from the Giants, although, you know, the first thing I see is their record. So they're not great. They were like one in four going into that game. Mm-hmm. Then they've got most of their I think it was their offensive line or just one of the guys hadn't literally came off the couch. He hadn't played in a year. Mm-hmm. What was his name? Goff or Gauff? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But they made a point of that, and I thought, well, that's odd. So here's like a, a, a bunch of guys that aren't very good against supposedly one of the best offenses in the league. And I thought to myself, why do I care? I don't know. It's weird. The most compelling part of the game to me is... Uh, what's his name? Damian uh, Harris left the game in an ambulance with a neck injury, a bill. Yeah. Just weird, like a year after... You know, Damar Hamlin. Did you see he, how he went down? Like, he grabbed his neck yeah. immediately. Yeah. And he left. He he left the field on his own steam or whatever. Right. He walked off. But he was still holding his neck. Yeah. But he left the stadium in an ambulance, so everybody's freaking out, right? Yeah, it's too bad. There was but a lot he of moved, He moved his extremities, um, which was encouraging. And, you know, th- this happens from time to time for precautionary reasons that they'll leave in an ambulance or it looks a lot more serious than it actually is, you know, because they overcompensate. It's just on the heels, just one year after Damar Hamlin, it freaked a lot of people out. I've asked you this before, I'm sure, but I forgot the answer. Mm-hmm. Where is he, Damar Hamlin? He dresses for the games. I don't think he's played much. Why is that? Uh, I guess, uh, I, guess, I guess, I don't know, precautionary or, hmm. you know, he slipped down the, uh, what do they call it? The um, R- ratings or rankings or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we leave football, I just want to ask one last question. Because getting back to the Giants and they were riddled with injuries. They got another big injury last night. Again, sorry for being stupid, but I just don't know the answer to this. How many? Well, it's two two part question. How many players are are there allowed to carry on their roster? And when all those guys go down, like this guy I'm talking about that a week ago was on his couch, he moved from his position on the line to outside linebacker, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. When this other guy got injured, but how many more? How, how many injuries could the team sustain? Before they have to say, I think the rosters are around forty. I believe, you know, 
I'm not. I would have to, you know. So and and that's active research roster. That. No, that's okay. So around forty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So assuming you know twenty offense, twenty defense, and there's only eleven players on the field at any given time. So they've yeah. got some backups, but. Remember, a couple of those are kickers, a couple of those are quarterbacks, maybe three are quarterbacks, you know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So there's not a fill-in for every position standing on the sidelines. So depending on, you know, where the injury happens, you might have to get a guy to move out of his position, obviously. That's what happened last night to that guy that it just literally a week before had not been playing football. Uh, Back to another sports question now. Um, I'm vaguely aware and only vaguely, that the Leafs won again and that, um, what's his face, Matthews, has scored like a million goals in two games. Six goals in two games. He's on pace to score like over 200 this season. <laughs> Probably will. <laughs> Would that, okay, if Matthews scores 200 goals, <laughs> how do you think they'll get past the f- second first round? <laughs> I don't know. My son-in-law said that to me yesterday. So what do you think? And I said, well, same thing. Nothing's changed. Score a couple of hat tricks in the playoffs. Yeah. Let's see that. But I don't know what to say. Yeah, great. They won two games and Matthews has six goals in two games. Super. It's fantastic. <laughs> Very entertaining. Just I hope you entertain me in April. That's all. And and Marner, didn't Marner have a good couple of games too, I read? Yeah, he looked a bit, to me, he looked a bit off. But the other guy that you really got to watch and appreciate is William Nylander. Oh, right, right. Sorry, Nylander. Really? Fuck. He scored a goal the other night. It was amazing. Just amazing. He's He's a magician. And, you know, a lot of people like to beat up on him. The past two years, maybe three years, he's been their best playoff performer. Last year, he scored 40 goals. And yet, you know, Toronto always needs a punching bag. And for some reason, he's gotten it a bit over Wait a the second. past couple of years. The guy that scored 40 goals, and I do remember this, mm-hmm. that he played great mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Yeah. One of the only bright lights. Why is he the punching bag? Well, because people don't think he gives it. It changed a bit last year with the 40 goals, but I'm, you know, he's been around six, seven seasons, whatever it is. And it's been, oh, we should trade Nylander. What can we get for Nylander? And Nylander, you know, he takes every other shift off. And granted, along the way, there, you maybe got that impression that he didn't show up for every shift. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as he's matured, I'll tell you, again, 40 goals last year, their best playoff performer. He scored a dazzler the other night. In fact, I think he got two goals that night as well, too. So, Well, I mean, and I think it's totally fair for you to feel this way. You know, uh, Matthew's getting six, point, six goals in two games. And Nylander playing well on the team. They won both games, I think. They've only played twice. They won. Hmm. But it's totally fair because and even I feel this way now after, you know, again, vaguely being aware of the team until april i mean so what i mean listen it's it gives the fans it gives the regular season fans their money's worth in entertainment Mm. so that's great Mm. yeah i mean if you if you have that perspective i'm going to be entertained during the regular season and i will too i watched it the other night i did because again i want to see how those new players look and 
But remember, everything the Leafs do in the regular season, this wonderful stuff, it is expected of them. They are one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. They could easily finish, win the President's Trophy as the number one team in the league. We know that. That's no secret. They are expected to be one of the best teams in the league. And therein lies the problem. When the playoffs come, all of a sudden they aren't. Why is that? We'll see. Uh, just to wrap it up, though, I, I saw I'm all the, I'm on I'm part of a golf WhatsApp chat group, with like 40 guys. And it quickly, like a week and a half ago, they're all super Leaf fans. And it quickly I could see the tone as they all got ready for the season. And uh, this is where I sort of get my Leafs information. And they're all like just bananas, like, oh, my God, they're parade rude. And, you know, they're just loving it. So those guys are entertained. Mm-hmm. And as uh, Russell Crowe said in Gladiator, are you not entertained? So, you know, good for them. Enjoy the 80 games left. And Matthews scores 200 goals. It'll make all those guys really excited. Uh, sure. If that's your perspective, it's great. And but, but again, there's just this nagging thing at me. Again, I'm 67. I've seen a lot of this over the past 60 years. Yeah, you have. There's that nagging thing. Yeah, that, that's super, but we all know what really counts. And you have, because you've been sort of conditioned to failure in the playoffs, you can't help but think, yeah, but. I mean, that's my perspective. All right, well, if, let's. If you can, if you, can uh, you know, you shed that, great. Good for you. Let's uh, catch up uh, with a couple of other other sponsors, and then we'll talk a little bit about Drake yeah. and Taylor Swift. I had a couple of interesting statistics from the weekend. Uh, let's talk about these fine folks first, though. Uh, Tim Niblett. Uh, Tim is a uh, portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. He will be by on Wednesday. To ask the question, are your tax or your investments tax effect, uh, effective? Okay, are your investments tax effective? We never know what the markets will do, but we know exactly how the tax laws work. And from that, he will explain many, many things. And this just lends itself to that whole concept, that idea that, you know, a lot of people like to do this on their own. Well, there's a lot more to it than you think, and that's why you need a guy. A guy like Tim Niblett, the retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. And uh, as I've mentioned on several occasions and will now, maybe your Sherpa or our Sherpa should get you uh, some more information about Boron One. You know, I, we talk about Boron and this company uh, because they're uh, one of our sponsors. And uh, just to try and get your head around the things that Boron does, and I've mentioned space travel. And uh, especially metals, battery technology, household things. All of this is to pick your interest or pique your interest. Well, get you interested in the company. And uh, as we find out more and more about what this company's doing, and Tim Daniels was with us a week or so ago talking about how there are so few places that can commercially get boron out of the ground. And their company has sort of punched through this one in a thousand, you know, junior mining companies that get to this point. And over the next few years, this could be a company that you might be interested in. This is what we're doing. Boron1.com. That's boron, B-O-R-O-N, one, O-N-E, dot com. Um, Drake. Canadian Drake. 
became the first artist in music history to surpass 80 billion streams across all credits on Spotify. Now, say what you want about how Spotify rips artists off, and that's a conversation we can have. But what that generated for Drake and royalties is $480 million. This song I'm playing now, Hotline Bling, I play it because it's probably one of the few Drake songs you and I would know or we've heard. You know, I don't know a lot of Drake songs. This song... No, I don't know this. You don't know this song? No. Nah, it was a big no, hit. 2016. We, I played it a lot on the show. Mm-hmm. 1,244,079,621 streams of this one song. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. No, I hear this song. What is it about this song that would generate that? And I'm not criticizing it. I'm just, you know, where my musical taste and my musical history comes from. It just seems sort of just there. But, hey, you can't argue with success. It sure... It sure uh, spun the propeller uh, of a lot of people. Well, on that, you know, we're 63 and 67 years old. And yeah, we spend our lives working in the music industry or around it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean our tastes are the same. I mean, Mm -hmm. I may have been a little bit more connected only because both of my kids were sort of into Drake. Same with uh, we've had this conversation about uh, Taylor Swift. Yeah. I mean, by the way, just to mention Drake, you know, he's a little disappointing. He's moving to Houston. eh? Did you hear that? No. They don't know if he's going to sell his uh, house on the bridal path or wherever it is. But, yeah, he's moving to Houston, which was always a neat thing about Drake is the fact, you know, the most successful artist in the world or something, him and Taylor Swift, you know, his Toronto roots and seeing him at Raptor games and all that, that may be coming to an end. Uh, Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And the same, we've had the conversation on what is it about Taylor Swift. Like, I saw mm-hmm. her, she's got a, a couple of, she has a documentary on Netflix that I've seen. That was why I think I watched it with Spencer. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And that's a few years old, and it kind of introduced me to the phenomenon of Taylor Swift. Uh, now, she's everywhere. Uh, she's got a boyfriend in the NFL. That's called, you know, um, her. <laughs> getting out of hand. Do you know what that, her. I saw these numbers. I can't remember them exactly. Her boyfriend, who plays for Kansas City. Travis Kelsey, yeah. Travis Kelsey. Her participation in viewing and being at his games is actually increasing the ratings of the games she's at. Well, I'm not surprised. Look at, you know, halftime shows at Super Bowls, you know. It's, you know, I, you know, it's just part of that phenomenon. It's like I could see a lot of people not normally interested in the NFL, but love, or not normally in the uh, into the NFL, but love her. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a Kansas City game on. Let's put it on and see if we Let's see if Taylor. we see Taylor. But but I, yeah. I mean, and I, yeah, I, got, I get what you're saying about the Super Bowl. But this is like a my point about all this is that she is moving the needle in a way that we have not seen in in the pop music you know mm-hmm. uh, area for a long time. I mean, she, and I know I'm, I sound stupid because she's been doing it for a long time. But now I think the the mainstream older people that are our age are really getting a sense of just how phenomenal, 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 what the phenomenon is. Right. 
Well, I, I saw like a big story the other day. Did she leave the game in a popcorn cart? Like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> no, all, I saw the, that. all the side stories now. Yeah. It's like she left the stadium. We're not sure how. Maybe she left in a popcorn cart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. So here's the latest on Taylor Swift. Her the uh, concert film mm-hmm. of her blockbusters eras tour, which she's made hundreds of millions of dollars on. Uh, the concert film earned a hundred million at the box office this weekend in Canada and the U.S. Another 35 overseas so far. The three-hour-long, three-hour-long film features footage from her tour. This is by far the most successful opening of a concert film ever. Ever. And it's three hours long. Well, they're saying it could set like an October record or something, like for all films of all time. Right up there with the Joker or something. I was and I'm thinking, wow! Imagine that. Yeah. However, I'm surprised there hasn't been more of this. Just think about that. You know, there's always that question: Do you need to see this movie at a theater, or is it the type of movie you can just watch at home? There mm-hmm. are some that you want to go to the theater for. I mean, be it a McCartney concert, Elton John. I mean, to draw from my era, just think about that. A well-shot concert to go to a theater and sit there—it's almost like you're in the front row. On a huge screen, like you're actually there. Yeah. Really, I'm surprised there's not more of that. I mean, there's some of that, but I'm surprised there's not more of that. Because if there was a really good, you know, I've been to a McCartney concert, but if there was one that was well shot on the big screen in a theater with super sound, I might consider going to see that. I can't remember the last, but I, I, I would like to, I definitely would see this concert film Mm-hmm. When it finally comes to my television, I, I can't imagine leaving the house. I can't remember the last time, last time I went to a concert film. But how great is that for Taylor Swift fans? Again, you know, a lot of entertainment, be it sports and concerts, music concerts. It's just, um, you know, a lot of people are priced out of it. They just simply can't afford to go. What a great sort of... I don't know if compromise is the word that, you know, a 15-year-old kid that loves Taylor Swift can go to a theater and sit there you know obviously it's on film per se but it's like being there yeah in that big screen big sound experience i think it's it's great well that's uh that's what i have uh i've got a couple minutes i just told dan to come back when he has a second and uh we'll do you know dan's news is coming up also uh charlie is going to join us and talk Mm -hmm. about the marathon experience the other, um, I will tell the story. rage story too. By the way, okay. The other entertainment story for the weekend made me sort of sad. Is Chrissy died? Did you see that? Yeah, Suzanne Summers finally. You know that poor woman. She's battled cancer for twenty years. Yeah, seventy six years old. Yeah, still married, I believe, to Alan Hamilton. To Alan Hamilton, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we all remember, you know, people of our age all remember Alan Hamill from his talk show or whatever you call it, variety right. show he had here in Canada. But I used to love, I'll tell you, when it was current, Three's Company, I liked it. Come and knock on a door. I'm getting when there, I'm I will there. say hers and hers and his Three's Company too. <laughs> And knock on a door. And knock on a door.
Suzanne Summers and John Ritter, and the premise of that show is that they, they weren't supposed to live together, so John Ritter pretended he was gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in the eyes of their the, the female, the, the girl's parents, it's okay if a guy lives with you if he's gay. Yeah. Which was also pretty, um, pretty racy for that time. You know, well, Suzanne Summer was. Well, I don't know what the word is at the time. Just very, I'll say it, very juicy. And it was like, wow, there's a lot to take in. Um, yeah, there's a lot to take. What are you doing? Who are you texting? Well, I'm getting a text from. There, we're having some work done here in the. Uh, in the compound on the where we live, they're mm-hmm. turning off the water. What uh, the other girl on that show? I remember. Uh, I forget what her name was on the show, and I forget what her name was in um, in real life. Oh, Joyce DeWitt. Joyce DeWitt. Right. You never had. You know what you never had in that show. You remember, you know, um, Jennifer Bailey, uh, Marianne, the movie, or the movie star. Right. You right. never had. You never had, uh, you know, Chrissy or whatever her name was. I don't remember her name on the show. Neither do I. But you know what I mean? People never made that. Oh, would you rather have Chrissy or what? There just seemed to be, you know, I don't like degrade women because I think that's, you know, demeaning and misogynist. I never, ever heard anybody saying they would prefer what's-her-head to Chrissy. Joyce DeWitt was, uh, what's her character's name? And then there was the, uh, pardon me? Well, no. Oh, right. Chrissy no, was right. Suzanne oh, yeah. Summers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then they changed Ropers. Like Mr. Roper was one one actor for the first few years. Then he left, and then Don Knotts joined the cast, which I which I thought was brilliant. What was her name? Janet. Yeah. Janet. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, when uh, Don Knotts was on it. Don was great. Yeah. A little over the top. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and there was somebody else, now that you've uh, done that, I'm trying to think, uh, there was somebody else famous that died this since we've, been done, since we've done a show. Uh, oh, yes. An old-time actress, I forget. Yeah. Her name was even before our era. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, she was, uh, yeah, gotta look it up. It's going to drive me nuts. She was, um, fuck. I should have wrote it down. I saw it. Anyway. Well, what did you Google? Entertainment who died this weekend Well Piper Laurie Piper Laurie from uh, Was an exorcist wasn't it uh, Something like that yeah. she was she yeah. was, yeah, Carrie mm-hmm. no she was in Carrie Oh Carrie right the mother in Carrie right. Yes mm-hmm. um, I got Dan Duran back here Because mm-hmm. uh, you know I want you know Dan loves Stories where I get Dan lo- nothing nothing makes Dan happier Than a story of uh, 
you know, some kind of rage incident. <laughs> yeah. Because then I, uh, you know, I can uh, it just ignore confirms. my past rages. Because, uh, oh, no, you know, no. your rages are bigger than mine have ever been. So oh, I don't it. know about that, Dan. Why, why, why rate a rage? Like, seriously. <laughs> rage raider. You know, <laughs> it's not important to rate the rage. It's just that, you know, and I, I don't even know where to start. I just know I, I was thinking about this last night. I'm going to I'm like, I'm going to tell this story and it's just going to confirm and Patterson will be like, yawn, hey, I see you. But, mm-hmm. you know, I know within my own self how I handled myself <laughs> in this. And I, and, I, and I, listen, I'll take all the shots I'm going to get. I don't care. But I know how I, how I reacted was the right way. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so where did the story begin? Okay, wait a minute. You initiated it, but you... Oh, no, no, reacted. I did not. No, I did not initiate it. I'm telling you, what I said earlier in the show was, it was definitely my fault. Oh, okay. But I didn't, I didn't, yeah. What I'm about to tell you, no part of it isn't really, I mean, I, I, it, I am at fault for inciting the rage attack. I was attacked. I just want you to know that. I was the um, recipient of the rage, not the instigator. But I was at fault. So at the very end of a long day, uh, I, at the very end of the marathon, I drive Charlie and Spencer and Levi, Charlie's boyfriend, back to Charlie's place, uh, St. Clair and Oakwood area of the big city. And uh, it's like in the four o'clock, four thirty, quarter to five. I'm a little tired. And I drop the kids off and I'm going to go and get because we have pizza there. Way too many pizzas, by the way. There's about 14 people coming back to Charlie's house after the marathon. And I drop the kids off and I go to like a Circle K or a 7-Eleven down at St. Clair to go get some pops. And anyways, and they, so I'm, and I, and I, just as I'm going down toward, it's, there's no parking anywhere. So I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I've kind of done a thing where I come off the street into a driveway and I'm about to take what's not really a parking spot, but a, a, a big enough spot where I could park for two minutes, go and get some drinks and then get back in my car. And I'm waiting for the traffic to go because, you know, I'm, I have to back back out into traffic. And just as I do, some guy comes right in front of me, takes the spot. Like he, did I have my blinkers on? No, but it was obvious. You know, I'm about to take that spot and he comes right around. And by the way, Audi driver. I have a theory about Audi drivers. That's, <laughs> That's for a different. son. Is he? But I'm, is it a brand new Audi? No. No, I've been in Danny's Audi. He's not, it's not, it's not the same. Okay, it's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> now that you find out Danny has one, I've it's, been not in the it's not the same. But, but this guy was definitely an Audi driver. <laughs> right, okay. So I have to go back up the street again, turn around. I found a spot in front of somebody's residence that I wasn't even sure I was allowed to park in front of, not the driveway. Mm-hmm. And I get out of my car, okay? And what I'm about to tell you, again, I acknowledge I'm completely at fault. Okay, so let me let's just be clear on this. So you pull up to a thing, you don't put your blinkers on or anything. It's obvious you're going into a parking spot. How did he get in ahead of you? Like I don't because I was just backing out because waiting. Because imagine this: I I pulled into a driveway, about to back out to get into that spot, and he came right Right. around me and took the spot. Okay, I I, now I have a visual. Okay, so I get out of my car, and yes, what I'm about to tell you, 
I'm completely at fault. I, and now he, I just see him get out of his car and he goes down toward the Circle K or the 7-Eleven, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's about, he's, he had to have, I, I just assumed he'd gone in the store. So as I walked by his car, like I was, yes, I was fucking aggravated, but I wasn't super mm-hmm. pissed. I'm just aggravated. I was no, like, I you know, it. what a dick. So I'm yeah. like, in my mind, I'm like, what a dick. So, <laughs> okay, what I'm about to tell you, and I kick his fucking tires. I kick his tires. I, and by the way, I'm wearing like soft. What? I kick his tire. Just Did like you hurt the tire. And, and where was he at this point? Wait, I don't. I'm assuming at this point he's already gone in the store. You kick his fucking tire. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I kicked his tire. Just relax. <laughs> just relax. And so he's not there. You kick what, his tire. I just because it's a you know it's like half a block to where the store is. So I just as I'm walking by his car, I was like, "You dick!" And I just sort of kicked at his tire. Just getting a little kick. Yeah, no, he just, just kicked at it. Just kicked at his tire. How, how much harm could I have done to his tire? Anyway, again, I acknowledge not that was my fault. I shouldn't have done that. No, I acknowledge that. Are you happy now? Because what, what well, I'm what, just of all the things you were going to tell us, I never thought that would come out. That I told I you it was my fault. I, I told, did I oh, not? No, tell, I know, but I, I didn't think my kicking the man's car would be part of it. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. All right, my fault. And then what I guess he was doing, and now I know what he was. He was hiding behind a bus shelter because he. I guess he was watching because the guy's a fucking lunatic. I'm, what I'm about to tell you, well, let's show must you. Be. I'll show you what a lunatic he was because I guess he was watching me to see where I was going to park because he knew he knew he fucked me for the parking spot. Mm-hmm. So I guess after he sees me kick his tire, then he comes running at me like he jump, he jumps out from the bus stop. Mm. And this man, I will tell you, is bigger than me and older than me, but I couldn't tell you by how much. Could have been late 60s, early 70s, but a guy built like our friend Bill, like really strong, and he is coming out swinging, dude. Like, really? Oh, yeah, man. He is ready to rock. Like, I was, I just saw him. Wow. I was like, and so my first thought was, oh, shit, he's seen me kick his tire. But this guy now is racing to the fucking middle of the ring. And it was so, I was so proud of myself because he's got his arm raised like you. And here's what he starts with. You fucking asshole. Like I'm telling you from a guy that, you know, and I've got some rage experience. I know you know that. (laughs) This guy went, didn't start at DEFCON 1. He was at five when he approached me. And the next two or three minutes of my life were just filled with this older man bulging eyes fist raised ready to punch me out and all i did was say sir i'm sorry you're right i shouldn't have punched your tire i'm gonna fucking hurt. and he just on and i said listen finally i said listen dude before you hurt yourself just relax i apologize mm-hmm. and I, I, you know what it was the greatest thing because i just kept saying i'm sorry you're right i shouldn't have kicked your tire and he wants to punch me in the face for it and 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 finally I took him down to about DEFCON 4 because he started to walk away. I'm going to go punch your... He goes, he kept saying, I'm going to go kick your tire. I go, go ahead, dude. Go ahead. And uh, and this went on. Honestly, he kept calling me a fucking asshole. And he said, he, he said like, like, at first, he's, I said, are you really... I said, do you really want to take a swing at me? I said, is that what you want? Because I looked like he did. Like, I will say, an, an older version of me would I would we would have definitely how old? got how old many years we would have definitely really? 
Oh, stop it. No, we no, I'm just saying. Like, how old was the guy? No, I'm saying an older version of me would have gotten to a you fight mean, you with You mean him. a younger version uh, of you. You mean a younger version of The you. old Howard. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, yeah. So a younger version of me would have definitely gotten into a fight with this guy. But this yes. version of me just found it all so fucking amusing. Like, inst- mm-hmm. I found it instantly because I instantly said, I'm sorry. I said, I was pissed off that you took my spot and I kicked your tire. Oh, I'm going to go kick your tire. You fucking touched my property. I'm like, relax, old man. Like, just relax. And then I said the thing. I fucking drove him nuts. I said, listen, peace be within your heart. <laughs> Peace be within your heart. I said, I hope, here's what I said. I hope you find peace inside your heart, sir. (laughs) I just wanted to keep saying shit. I was like, I went totally the opposite way. I kept saying, I hope you find peace in your heart. I really do. I know. Again, how old was this? How old was this guy? 70. 68 to 74. Oh, my age. Okay. Yeah. 68 to 74. No, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think it's funny. Like, some, some later 60s, early 70s, but strong, like Bill's size, right? Like a, right, right, like a bull. Bill, but taller. Mm. And like I said, he started, he started at DEFCON 5. Like, right. he wasn't like, hey, I just saw you kick your tire. He came at me with his fist raised, like we were going to have a fight there on the street. <laughs> I was like, what? So... That was my story. (laughs) (laughs) It was fucking great. He was a lunatic, said the guy who kicked the hockey. Exactly. Hey, I told you I was completely. I know. But you know what, Mr. Patterson? I know you're a fucking angel, but you know. No, I'm not an angel. You are. Howard. I you get like in to- confrontations too, but kicking, like the actual idea of kicking the car, it's just that that I never expected that. That's that's interesting. Well, now you now you now you know. But listen, I didn't even like I didn't know what damage could I have done to this man's tire by kicking it. It doesn't matter. The point is, he was going to fight me in the streets, four forty five on a Sunday afternoon. And and the screaming of this man, like I honestly did. That's that's what sort of in my man. I, the only thing I regret is I really wish I had the presence of mind to take my phone out and go. Really, do you want me to send this to your grandkids? Because that's what we, you, seriously. I'll put this on the line. You, your grandkids can see what you're really like. But, but I guess that's you'll. Wait, you it. would leave out the part where you kick the car. No, no, fuck. <laughs> what I, did I leave it out? I could have told you I had this conversation with the guy without without telling uh-huh. you that. Right. I'm t- I'm totally in the wrong. Are you happy? <laughs> so what happened? Like you were, was he going to the Seven Eleven as well? And then he ended up not going. Oh, he didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you, discuss, was, was did, did you discuss at all him taking the spot? Did that ever come up? Oh, like, yeah. What That's what I said to him. This? I said to him, I said, I was pissed off. He goes, you fucking asshole. I said, well, I was kind of, I said to him, listen, you took the spot. You saw I was there. You were the, and then he said something like, "You know what you were doing." I'm like, "I, I don't know." But this, at this point, there was no Freddie. There's no mm-hmm. logical discussion with the man no. because right, he I was yeah. really freaking out, and and that's why I said it, 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 he was freaking out at such a level. I found it hilarious. Anyway, so did you end up just walking away, or did it? Somehow- oh no, he walked away. He was on. He was on his way to kick my tire. <laughs> so. He was oh, he walking. Was? Oh, yeah. And then he went. Then he, Then I kept saying, listen, go ahead. I said, I only followed him a little bit. I said, go, go ahead. Do it. But I said, I, and I kept saying, then I finally said one last time, I really hope you find some peace. He's like, what did you fucking say? I said, it's, it's okay. Just <laughs> fuck. It was great. Oh, man. It was, it, you know, really, it was such a great day. And that was just the, uh, the, the, the icing on the cake. So how did it end exactly? Just that. He walked, got back into his Audi and he drove away. Oh, so he didn't end up. Oh, I no. guess he went to another Seven Eleven. Yeah, 
Yeah. Mm. He had been hiding. That's the thing. So you know, he, you know that he felt something was up because he went and hid in the bus shelter. Like, he knew he took that spot. So I guess he just wanted to see if he was in trouble. Because you, you got to understand, the kind of guy that starts with <clears throat> taking a swing at somebody is on fucking high alert <laughs> all the time. I know the type. I've been the type. Anyway, let's uh, let's get Charlie on here. <clears throat> so he just he just didn't... Qu- hmm. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the only question I would ask is when you went up and kicked the um, the tire, the car. Yes. What did you think that was going to? I know I was just aggravated. I just, I'm just pissed yeah. off. Just for like, the moment, you. like yeah. 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 You son of a bitch, I'll yeah. kick your car. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. All right. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. You know, I know. Uh, listen, I know. Hard to relate to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that he hadn't done the work that you've done, Howard. Fucking A, he hasn't. And look, you didn't end up in the hospital or anything. That's could have gone mm-hmm. the other way. So oh, nice, I will tell you nice this, work. dude. That man, mm-hmm. I can tell you that that is that man is on on 24 seven alert to get into a confrontation. Yeah, you have to be because because what what transpired did the spark wasn't big enough for that flame. Do you know what I mean? Let me just we'll come back to it because here's Charlie. Yeah. OK. Oh, fuck. I love these stories. I know you do. I told you I knew I knew you'd fucking just, just love it. The great. Yeah. Oh, there she is. Look at that. Let me. I can, is that a metal around your neck? Yeah, man. There's a metal. There's a promotional long sleeve. There's a lot. Okay, I can't see the uh, metal. You're inside a frame there. I can't change the length of the. No, no, there it the is. Floor. Okay. Here. You won the thing, or is that a participation? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very much yeah. Not win it. <laughs> oh, okay. It was no, she was. She was only. Um. I, I listen. You were close. You were only four hours. No. Four yeah. hours after the uh, after the winner, yeah. After the winner, do you know? Do you guys have found out a lot of stuff about marathons? Did you know that the people who like run it, like the elite level, they um, they do it like the world record is two hours. That's two hours to run forty-two kilometers. And then yesterday in Toronto, they had somebody run it in what was it, Charlie? Two hours and nine minutes. A Kenyan person? Why is it the Kenyans are always good? It wasn't a Kenyan, I don't um, think. It wasn't. I mean, it, well, the Toronto one wasn't, but it's places with really high altitude. People train in high altitude. Mm. Yeah, apparently. I don't know. Well, that's freakish, isn't it? Two hours? Like, the, the, pace, the pace you have to run at to do that? It's, it's about, I think it's like two minutes a kilometer or something. Mm-hmm. It's two, two minutes and 30 seconds. To give you, like, and, well, like first of all, congratulations. To give you some perspective, Charlie, we started off running five and six minute kilometers and then you sort of settled in around seven and then the last little while was eight you know the the great thing about you know we always talk about technology like i it was able you're you're able to watch the marathon your participant in this case charlie online dan all day long where is she on the course what's her Mm. time what's her estimated time of uh you know getting through the finish line it was crazy but uh and how do they do that do they give you a little uh um on your bib oh there's a little tracker tracker yeah Yeah. Yeah. so like at every kind of every time you're at a kilometer mark you go over this like beacon oh that's cool eh? so how long so just give us some perspective how how many months ago did you say to me daddy i'm gonna do a marathon when was that april or may so, well, in May, April, April or early May, I was in New York with friends and I've had friends who run a marathon there and we were watching our friend run a half marathon. And my friend was like, 
she tries to get everyone into running. She's like, you should try running. You would love it. And I was like, nah, I don't run. Like I, you know, I go to the gym. I do this, I do that. I just like, I don't run just cause I just didn't think I could. And then I think, yeah, that was like April or May. And then I was kind of like, that doesn't seem like something I would just like blanket say. It's like, oh, I don't do that. So I was like, I'm going to sign up for the marathon. <laughs> so I did it. And then uh, six months later, I did it. How It was crazy. How many kilometers did you run in training? Close to 900. Let me see. I can check right wow. now. It's like 800 and something. Pretty yeah, up there. That's like 500 miles. And that was, it's probably closer to 900 because I didn't start using Strava for like a couple weeks. So now that's over 500 miles. Wow. Dan, Um, as you can imagine, there's an app for everything. There's an app to track your training. There's an app to track uh, how, and and you had coaching. There's like a, a, there's like um, a a protocol you do. So originally I was just like, oh, I'll just download the Nike training app and do like, they have like a run a marathon program. Like it's pretty good. And then I I have a physio nearby that's called like the runner's Academy. I'll plug them. They're really great. Um, And then I, they were like, Oh, we have like a run coach, like a, like a marathon coach. And it turns out like that was the best thing I could do because then I had someone like, you know, planning my training for three or two or three weeks. And we would like talk about what I had going on and like, you know, she would check in and be like, all right, how did that run feel? Like, and actually plan a, like a program for me rather than just like following something pretty standard. Well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because I know a lot of, no, seriously, because I know a lot of people would embark in this and then get into it a few weeks and go, yeah, no, I don't think so. Like, how many times did you have to go to training and think, I don't really feel like doing this? Probably it would, because it's, I know it's tough. And, um... You don't really run a marathon until the day of the marathon, right? Like through all your training, what's the most you run? Um, the longest I ran was 32 kilometers in training. Oh, okay. Just a long time. Like mm-hmm. long, it's a long way to run. But I was thinking like, I was reflecting on the, the long runs versus the marathon. And like running a marathon is very difficult, but like running 32 kilometers on a random Sunday while your friends are having brunch and you could be, you know, that's pretty difficult as well. But like, you know, they're they're difficult in different different ways for sure. So a lot of different. Well, I was telling the, I was telling the guys how I'd never been, I'd never been at the start of a marathon, the whole spectacle of being downtown. I picked up Charlie and Levi yesterday morning around seven. We go downtown in the dark and then there's all these people milling about. I didn't understand like the marathon starts at 845, Dan, and then but they're in different. You're slotted in different corrals, they call them. So Charlie was in corral G and uh, and they, they, they slot them by based on estimated times that you're going to do the marathon so the marathon started at 8 45 but there's another 30 minutes because they do them in five minute staggers where you're just kind of hanging around waiting to move to the front um what's that honey and you were cold i know you were it was really cold and and i you know and and but just seeing all the people thousands and thousands of people because there's what was there five thousand people in the race but there's there's tens of there's so there was twenty five thousand people doing the half marathon and then five thousand people doing the full marathon and i was i think i was like saying this it was actually such a crazy moment because you so the half marathon the energy is so high you know it's all in the west end like all the cheering stations are there and then you get to this moment where like all the signs are like you're almost there but they're talking to half marathon people and they turn up 
to their finish line mm. and then it's like the big boys keep going and you're like <laughs> i'm like i'm like not even at, i'm at the start i'm at the halfway point like i'm at the basically the, the start of my run and everyone's like celebrating and i'm like here we go here's the real work so what is it the person that one finished how many hours ahead of you I finished very close to six hours, which was okay. a little longer than I probably wanted. But Charlie ran right. yesterday for five hours and 50-some-odd minutes. Yeah. No, I, that's really impressive. But to get an idea of that five hours, at, at any point, did you sort of walk a bit? Or? Yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. I mean, the first half, I was feeling really good, but... Mm-hmm. Like the like I said, like the energy kind of changed in the East End. It's like your hardest kilometers for me, at least I found were like 25 to 32 because you're like, I have so much left to go. And you're like, I can't even I'm not even in my like countdown to the finish. And I, I'm already so tired. And then the mm-hmm. weather changed. Like it got yeah. really cold and really rainy. And like my back started to like kind of like seize that, you know, like that, that kind of like you start to like tense up. And it was just there was nobody cheering. It was a. It was dark days. Was there a moment you just said I, I, that you almost quit, that you almost well, walked okay. off? I knew I was going to finish it, but there was a moment where I was like, am I going to die? Because I, <laughs> I kept, like, it's really freaky. So, like, you, I'm having my watch on, so I can, like, see my heart rate. I can, my, my heart felt like it was, like, a little higher than I would want, um, my heart rate and then I, I just kind of I stopped started slowing down and I would get these like heart palpitations that would make me a little nauseous and that's never happened before and then I started remembering like all along the race you see people at the medic tent there's a guy collapsed with the ambulance and I'm like not only am I like now worried that I'm like maybe I won't finish it it's like am I actually gonna collapse and die like I don't I don't know like maybe that that was the time where I was like that's sweet that's you know, that would be a way I would not finish this, you know. Right. But at the same time, you know, the training, the time you put into it, I'm sure you were determined that I'm going to cross that yeah, finish line. Definitely. I knew no so, matter what. So six hours later, when you crossed the finish line, like had everybody gone home and everything? Or was it, <laughs> there, there was still, there there was was still lots people. of people. I, there so was still, I well, laugh. because there was probably lots of people that had Oh, yeah, that there time, was right? lots. Of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was still people. And I, you know what, what I was probably the most proud of of the day was that, the last four kilometers, I got someone, my, um, my boyfriend came and gave me a long sleeve at around like 38 kilometers. And I was like, mm-hmm. I took an Advil. I had a long sleeve on and I was like, okay, I feel okay now. Like I actually mm-hmm. wasn't tired, which was, was kind of annoying. So I actually was able to, to like run the last four kilometers and not mm. just kind of, and I like ran past, you know, no, no shame in this game. But like, I ran past a lot of people who were like kind of hobbling their way in and like struggling to get to the finish line. Whereas I was like, I'm going to put on my best music and I'm really going to like run it in. So I have that triumphant moment where I don't feel like I'm just kind of like dragging myself across the finish line. So, so where, the, where the finish was, if you guys can imagine where Nathan Phillips square is. So between the edge of Nathan Phillips square on the East end and right across from the courthouse, there's a corridor there. That street is Bay street. And so just to give you some perspective back. So there's 30,000 runners and as many people, there had to be as many people like family, friends, support staff. So the city is just packed. Like, Dan, in a way, you can't even, like, I've never seen it like this. So, and, and, you know, usually when these things happen, all of us kind of choose, like, to not go into the city. But there we were, right in the middle of it. And yeah. it was fascinating because, forget, you know, like, I, I parked around Queen and McCall, which is a few blocks away from where the start was at Queen and University. And then Charlie had a bunch of friends 
which we'll talk about in a second, and support. And, and by the way, Spencer kept uh, showing up at different cheer stations with signs she had made. <laughs> Spencer's so funny. So Spencer's got a video of Spencer holding up a sign as Charlie goes by, and then Spencer turns to the camera, and the sign says, words of encouragement. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. It was, but, it was, but just the way, and you know, it was so Spencer, because just the way she turned back to the camera, because you're expecting it to say something, but words of encouragement, man, cracked me up so hey, I, I don't know rules of marathons are you allowed to stop like yes, can you just stop and stand there or you know sit yeah. down on the ground no you must die, <laughs> you must really die. Um, that's right that's if you it. stop you yeah. get expelled from the city um i don't no, know I, there was definitely like lots of stopping and walking and like i said like i had some friends which i'll, I'll tell you about more later but like I, I had like a vest on me with one water and enough gels to get me through half of a marathon, but I didn't want to like uh-huh. run with all this stuff on me. The one point I stopped and like got my gels from my boyfriend to just like, you know, so, I, you know, there was stopping. You're allowed to stop and do whatever you want. You went to the washroom a few times. Like it was good. Lots of pacing. You know, I've never, ever ran marathons, but I had times in my younger life where I would get into running programs. Not much, a couple of kilometers just around the neighborhood. <laughs> How good you feel when you're in a running program. I mean, the whole endorphin yeah. thing and day to day. So you must feel, <laughs> no, it's through all this training. You must just feel real good. There, like you feel physically good, but like, I, I'm, I'm not, I won't lie. There is a feeling that you get when you walk through a room and you're like, I don't care. Like what I look like, what I mm-hmm. what think of me. I ran 30 kilometers yesterday. And, like, <laughs> you can't like, it's so tangible of this like confidence that you feel that you're like, yeah, I can like, I can get through 30 kilometers, which is in such an insane distance. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Is. Anyway, one it thing is, I, it is, one thing I learned yesterday, many things I learned, but one of the things I, I'd always heard this expression of the, you know, we marathon and they, this is called hitting the wall. And I thought hitting the wall meant a physical, you feel, you get to a point where you physically feel like you can't go on, but mm-hmm. uh, it's more psychological, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I hit the wall very, like remember I was saying like that weather turn, that energy shift in the East in the early East ends was perfectly timed for me to be like, I can't like that. So I really hit the wall and I, my thoughts just went dark and the sky went dark and the energy. Oh yeah. It got really cold yesterday afternoon. And it was like right time where I was like, you know, like I said, kilometer 25 to 32. And you're like, I'm not even in my 10 kilometer down countdown. Like, when at 32, you're like, all right, I have 10 mm-hmm. kilometers left. You're like a five and a five, a seven and a three. Like you can start to kind of like play. You do a lot of like mental math with yourself. But like when you still, when you're at kilometer 25, you're not even in the thirties. You're like, I have such a far way to go. And that was really hitting the wall. And I had to, I kind of was like starting to struggle. And then you, you, you start to like not be able to push through the pain because you don't have the, you don't have the like mental strength to push, push through the pain for right. a little bit. Um, and then you literally have to like, you know, I had to switch up my music. I had to eat something and I had to just like, like eat a gel. And I had to just be like, yeah, I have to choose to not be grumpy right now or else I'm not going to get through this. Like I need to just like choose to be happy. I was going to say the race course, the race course goes like into the West end all the way to like where I live here on the West, like Ellis and Avenue down like way past Windermere. And then it goes all the way into the city, all the way out to the East end. And then it starts looping back toward Toronto again. Yeah. Not only that, it goes before it goes out to the beaches. It does this. It did this really weird loop up like Bayview. You know yeah, that yeah. bike path, that bike path area on yep. Bayview. Mm-hmm. Like there's always those cyclists in the morning. That's, that's where I used to train. So mm-hmm. I see them. But 
it's empty. Like there's, it's, there's no sidewalks, like mm-hmm. it's a really weird loop. And like, it was there that I, I really, cause there was like nobody there for stretches and you just knew you were going up down and then all the way to the beaches. Like yeah. it was, that was a weirdly timed stretch of like nothing. I didn't like, <laughs> and then there's that whole phenomena of the second wind. And I think you described it a bit. Um, again, where you think this is it, it's over, and then all of a sudden something happens to you. Yeah. And you described it. It's where that comes from. Again, is that psychological or whatever yeah. it is? It, honestly, I notice it not just, I didn't even just notice it for the first time yesterday, but like you notice it as your runs get longer and longer. You mm-hmm. go through this, this cycle. Like mm-hmm. you know, some, some people start runs really good. I always find like, okay, first five kilometers of a run, like I'm kind of feeling a little bit like getting into it. Kilometer five, six, seven hits, and I'm like, I'm happy, I'm flying, I feel amazing. You know, seven to fifteen are great, and then you kind of dip for a little bit. Fifteen to twenty-one are like, eh, twenty. Like you kind of have these like, mm-hmm, right. ups and downs. Whereas, like, I think your body is like, okay, stop now. And then when you don't stop, it's like, okay, I have to kind of carry you. <laughs> You're not mm-hmm. stopping. Like, you know, it's like a yeah, just like has to be like, okay, I guess if we're gonna do it, we have to do it. So. Well, it reminded me, the day reminded me a lot of when you were little and we would go to soccer early and you had to, you had to, a game that day. And then at the end of the game, we would drive home. And, and, uh, like I said, we, the day started early. I, uh, by the, you, you didn't, you started, your race started around 9 15. And I easily left the city and you had, you had a bunch of people following you around on bikes in the city. And I was not going to do it. I left, I came home, took me about 20 minutes to come home. Very little traffic going west. Spent the morning hanging around here, taking staff for a walk. And then at around noon, I guess I'm watching where you are in the, the race uh, app. And at around two, noon-ish, I thought, okay, I'll start heading back to the city. Because I wanted to sort of make sure I was there. I wanted to be there when you cross the finish line. Little did you know, <laughs> I was going to be out well, well, I, Yeah, I mean, if I'd have known, it was not that I was stressed out in traffic. But guys, it took from my house to Nathan Phillips Square, took me two hours and ten minutes. What? You're it was kidding. Your own, it was no. your own marathon. That, yeah, I was the real hero of the day. Yeah, it was, uh, and I was totally fine because I just kept looking at the app and Charlie kept getting further and further away. I'm like, okay. So I got to the finish line lots of time before Charlie and uh, Charlie's friends had been following Charlie around. There was a couple of friends from New York that came in just for Charlie's marathon. Boyfriends, mm-hmm. friends. And um, it was just Spencer and I at the finish line. And I've got all these great pictures and Spencer and I were discussing video shots. <laughs> I said, okay, you, you get the wide shot. I'll do the close-ups." And, uh, I've got some great pictures of you. Basically just, I have followed Charlie in cause you can tell like I couldn't run next to her cause I was up a little higher, but I've got video of her going across the finish line and then stopping and crying. Yeah. I'm so like, why, why, what made you cry? I'm like, frick, I'm done. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, like it's a long, it's a long time. Two couple things make you cry. You're like, wow, I just like ran a marathon. Sorry, I'm going to misty now. Hold on. Drink some water. Hmm. <laughs> like, oh, I just ran a marathon. You're like, wow, I just trained for eight, six months, whatever. And then you're also like, oh, thank God. Like, you're like, it's very relieving. You, you really have to like stay with your brain. Like it's, you, you're, you're really, you're really kind of like you're like this for six hours you're like don't don't let your mental like don't let your mentality Mm -hmm. slip like you really need to like keep yourself together for so long because you're like like you know and then you have those moments where you you do slip and you hit the wall but 
by the time, but when you finish and you finish the way I did, which was like strong, I ran it in. I really wanted to feel good. And you have a really inspirational song playing. Oh, it just yeah. feels like a big moment. It just feels like you're like, wow, like it's such an inspirational relief. song, meaning personal or. Yeah. Like I just, yeah. like I just made sure that I had like a good, like triumphant, like soundtrack. What was it? What was it? It was a uh, Midnight City by M83. It's it's like a it's oh, it's one of my favorites. I was going to say, either. isn't that on your uh, Under the Stars playlist? Well, I I, I will tell you this. I was proud of your accomplishment, and uh, I'll try and get this through without getting misty myself. But I was so proud of your accomplishment, and you're and uh, you know. You definitely, definitely, you definitely have a little bit of dad's sort of dogged determination because you need that. And because a lot of people say they're going to do marathons and then three days later you see me at a party. You're like, did I say a marathon? I meant produce a marathon. Um, but uh, so I was proud of you for doing that. But what really made me proud is the support of your friends. And I looked around the room at the end and we were having pizza at your place. And I thought, you know, and soft drinks and soft drinks. Yes, we all know the story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We all know this story. Um, but I looked around the room and I thought, you know, that's really that's the real uh, testament to uh, what kind of person you are is the kind of people you surrounded yourself with. Like, you know, there are two girls that Charlie was is friends with from New York that just came all the way up here just so they could be there at the beginning and at the end and throughout they were running around on bikes. And I thought that was really the, the, that was the accomplishment. And it was. um I don't think I could have done it without people like I'm a, I, so excuse me. I'm a very like when it comes to running, I don't run with people. I don't I'm like, whatever. Like, I don't need people around me, whatever. It's fine. But and I'm, I was shocked by how like how important and motivating it was when you do see friends along the way. Like I didn't think I'd, I'd be like, oh, great friends. Cool. But like when I was like struggling and I texted the group chat and I was like, okay, like someone needs to come out to the East end. And like a couple minutes later, like my friends on bikes, it was like, you know, five or six of them. My boyfriend was there and they just like biked along with me from like kilometer 36 to 38. It was like, it was it was essential. Like I don't know how you run a struggling marathon without like having some people along. It's, is it, it was, all rel- is is it all relatively flat too, or is it? It was is, a pretty it, flat course. Yeah. There was a couple of like ill-timed hills. I think all hills are ill-timed, mm-hmm, but yeah. uh, it, there was a couple of hills. There was one like right when you're like thirty-eight kilometers, and you, I think it was like thirty-eight to thirty-nine. It was um, you know, when you're coming off. I guess I want to say like you go to Lakeshore and then it, you, you, there's almost like that hill that go over river and there's like mm. rich. I don't know. I might be confusing a mm. bunch of streets, right. but there was like a little ramp that I didn't love, but it was, it was okay. All right. So let, that, that was, was I'll, I'll, we, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, congratulations. Um, How are your feet? Sore. Feet after like they hurt. They actually feel so today. I feel okay. Like my feet after were like, Wow, like you really, you really like, you know, you really. Well, you were limp, you were limping on one of your one of your feet was bothering. Yeah, my one leg feels great, like it's stiff, but it feels great, and I actually feel pretty good. I had um my other leg had a bit of an injury going in, like I had kind of had this kind of pulled feeling in my thigh, and oh, today was me. very not happy. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's another concern, eh? Going through all that training and all that anticipation, and then getting a bit of an injury beforehand. No, I know. Just all part of the mix. (laughs) Oh, I know. There were several weepy phone calls over the last three or four weeks. Uh, Well, because you do your last couple of long runs, and you're like, "Am I hurt?" And you're so stressed that you're like, 
you're not going to be able to do it after six months of training. I didn't even like, and I was so don't want to get sick. Like I didn't go to Thanksgiving. I tried, I wear math. Like I just was like, I don't want to get sick after all that. Right. And then be able to run this freaking marathon. All right, are, 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 are you going to continue running? Yeah, um, definitely. I, I knew it even when I was like struggling, you know, at 25 to 32 kilometers. I was like, a lot of people finish a marathon and they go like, I'm never doing that again. I knew even during it, I was like, this, not only do I want to do this again, it's like, I actually want to do it better. Like I, I had this feeling of like, I want to do it faster. Like I, I thought after maybe I would want to go farther, but there is something really amazing about being like, okay, last time it took me five hours, like how, or six hours, how long can it take me next time? You know? All right. Well, listen, man, uh, it was great being part of the team. Thank you. And, uh, thanks for including me in the uh, pizza party. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Okay, my love, I love you very much. Congratula- uh, congratulations, Charlie. That's yeah, great. Congrats. Good Thank job. you. See you later. Bye, Bye, honey. Have a nice day off. Thank you. You know, it's funny you mentioned that uh, chip off the old block. That's what I was saying to the, her boyfriend and uh, another guy that was there. I said, you know, I do believe truly that anyone can learn or do anything if they put their mind to it. But I said, I'm, I'm at the age now where I just could not see myself doing that. Like, it's just too much. Like, physically, I, I, get, I could get my head around, like, how much you'd have to train and the time you'd have to take, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't physically see this body that I now occupy no. putting myself through that. Yeah, and you get, there's a tipping point for running, too. At a certain age, it's not, literally not good for you. You know, the, oh, yeah. The, I think, but there's the joint, plenty, dude, there's plenty the of joint guys. issues and what have you. Mm-hmm. Plenty of guys our age there. Lots of guys. Mm-hmm. But they maybe they were running for, they've been running since oh. they were younger or whatever. Well, know. that's probably it, yeah. To start at our age is a sort of a invitation for disaster, I would think. But, but you know, I mean, you, you know, we all have kids, and I know your kids very well. But, I mean, I, and, and I'm... I sort of was struck by the same thing when I have been to events with like Melanie and her friends or seen them up north. I'm sure you guys have where where you sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, you judge, you know, you judge people by the quality of the company they keep. Oh, and uh, and that was what was really and I said that to Charlie. I said, you know, it was great. And I took her aside. We were talking by ourselves. And I said it was really great. You know, I'm super proud that you ran the race, but I said, I mean, more impressed by the, the group of people that are here, you know, and just how excited they were for you. I said, that's, that's, that's truly the sign of an accomplishment. Like, you know, you've got, because you, because you do that training all by yourself, you know, she was saying that like, Oh, I know, it's, you know, there's no, amazing. she wasn't part of a running group. She wasn't part of a, a team uh, of a couple of people that were doing it. She just ran, she ran all mm-hmm. 850 kilometers, whatever it was by herself. Um, and the fact that she ex- assembled this group on race day was just great. Mm-hmm. It's very sweet. I mean, I mean, the vast majority are people like that. You have the best of intentions and the first couple of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. what separates, you know, the serious, the men from the boys, the girls from the women are those that continue on. Because I know I'd be like that. You'd be sitting here going, OK, I got to train today. Oh, maybe I'll just wait till tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, and no, absolutely. And. Yeah. You know, and, and not to bring this to, you know, but it's why, you know, lots of times, you know, I'm around golfers that I meet and they'll say, oh, man, it's like, you know, I, I'd like to be better. And I go, I said, well, there's a difference is some everyone's interested in being better, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. only a few people are committed to being better. Mm-hmm. Everyone. It's a, without a, a doubt. It's of yeah. interest to everyone. Oh, I'd like to I'd like to be better at this thing. Really? Great. Well, here's how here's how much you'd have to do that. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, fuck mm-hmm. that. I want no part of that. 
Um, anyway, so that was a little Charlie. And, uh, yeah, I thought you'd like that sign. Spencer was hilarious, man. And, uh, yeah, I was in that Travis, literally left my house here on the Queensway. And two hours and ten minutes later, I was standing at uh, Nathan Phillips Square. It was crazy. Because, Dan, like I said, you've lived in the city. We Mostly when those events happen, I stay as far away from it as I can. Yeah, I get it. I would. I had no idea there was thirty thousand people. Thirty thousand runners. The, the half marathon. Holy cow! Twenty five thousand half, five thousand full. So when you know, usually if you live in the city and people will know what I'm talking about, you see the overhead signs that say this weekend the lakeshore will be closed. You're like, all right, well this weekend you will not see me. <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite the experience. Um, you could was, have almost walked that uh, that distance in the two and a half hours. I, easily. I and and um yeah, I could have easily walked. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, uh, let's do this little bit of business, everyone. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as has for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from Dan and Lisa's house <laughs> does, does, does Lisa know that I'm calling it that now? Not yet, but I'll uh, tell her right, today yes. Dan and Lisa's house uh, in Peterborough Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a movie anchor. He got her drunk on the weekend. Is it <laughs> just sign here? That's just right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Live from Dan's place. <laughs> oh boy. Dan's live. Dan's dining room table. Here's movie anchor Dan Duran. How much would you spend on a model? Now, Fred, do you know what an X-wing fighter is? Is that a plane? Well, it, it is kind of. It's a spacecraft. Now, does that give you a hint? The next one? No idea. No. Wow. Do you, Howard? Um, vaguely. Uh, but an X-Wing I, fighter? But, but an Dan, X-Wing. But Dan didn't ask me, so I'm not sure if I'm allowed to answer. An well, X-Wing. I thought, you would, I thought for, Howard would know in just a, in a no, second. I, it's I, from I, Star I, Wars. Right. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, of course. I'm not. Right, yeah, right, right, right. I apologize. Right, right. The, uh, I watched was, all the Star Wars movies uh, with my... Yes, X-Wing. Um, Yes, ten, I'm up to speed. I forget everything. Right. So the X-Wing fighters, the good guys, uh, have yes. the X-Wings. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was used in the uh, filming of the uh, final battle in the Star Wars, uh, Star Wars A New Hope as the Rebel Alliance fight the Empire above right. the Death Star, right? Nice. Yes. So this was a model that was created in 1977, and it sold at auction for how, how much do you think it sold for? I'm sorry. It was a full scale model, or or like the original. It's a model was used in the actual sh- shooting of the movie. There was four of these made, four little models made. Oh, little models. Yeah, that are actual models. That, that I got you. Know, you. I got they, you. Uh, you. What would they? The I, I would say at auction they went for one and a half a million dollars. Man, a little shy. So three point one three million dollars is Jesus. how much it sold for. It was thought that it was lost, and then somebody found it somewhere in a junk pile. Or I don't know exactly where, but it was sold at auction. Just imagine that. $3.13 million. And it's just like the size of a model, but in the movie, it, it looks like yeah, it. Yeah, they make it look like a real thing. Wow. 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 No, it's hard for me to relate to, because, again, it's that whole concept is over there to me somewhere. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know when they uh, when Luke went through the Death Star yes. and then, uh, shot something and the whole thing blew up. He, he mm. did the, the the you know the kill shot. Yeah, you remember that at all? I do. Who me? No, I don't know. Yeah, all right, okay. Well, that well, was he only, was flying it, an X-wing. It's only fighter. the most pivotal yeah. point in the first in the first movie, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. You um, missed the point of the movie, apparently. What no, year was that? 1977. 1977. Yep. Excuse me for forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> what was happening in sports in 1977? I bet you know that. Um, Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. First year of the Blue Jays Blue uh, yeah, came into a being. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pretty pivotal. Yeah. Um, I, I will say this. I'm not surprised it went for I, I, I low. Here's what I did. I just want you to know because it was your story. I went in low, <clears throat> knowing it was probably higher than that, but I didn't want to be one of the... I hate when people do that. When they, you say, hey, guess how much this was? And they go, $47 million. And you're like, all right, fucking relax. Uh, you know, you know, they like go way over. Right, yeah. So I could have gone the, $10 yeah. million and then I ruined your story. So I went, I went specifically lower because I, oh, well, I wanted thanks. it to seem yeah. bigger. I would not even have guessed a million. I would, you know, in the hundreds of thousands is what I would have guessed, but not... not not anywhere close to a well, million. I well, to think about it, like any, someone who really loved those movies that had lots of money, that would be nothing to have that in your home. Yeah, and uh, obviously there was a lot of interest that drove the price up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of billionaires out there wanting to have a little something in their uh, in their living room. I guess uh, I don't know what I'd pay three million for. Hmm, I'd have to think about that. That's uh, a great question. Of course, I'd have to sell everything I own and borrow some money to buy it. But, but that aside, like think? if you had money, I'm trying to think of. Okay, well, let's. Should we do it in a category? Should we go movie memorabilia or sports memorabilia? For me, in the category of movie memorabilia, here's what I. If I had all kinds of dough, here's what I would pay three point whatever million dollars for: the desk that Marlon Brando sat behind. In the opening scene of The Godfather, when everyone comes to his office and he's sitting there with the cat and his, he's like, you know, and then everyone comes to him on the day of his daughter's wedding to ask him for a favor. That's the, the thing that like something like that. If you had all the kind of money, be like there's a little piece of movie memorabilia. You yeah. anyone? I died by uh, hell. Okay, there's a good one, Fred. Hell from 2001, the, uh, the computer like that. with the, the, the big eyeball. The, I, uh, I wish eyeball Fred would wins. say the X-Wing from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> no, I maybe I'd buy the lake that Duty bought in uh, the apprenticeship of uh, Daddy Kravitz. I'd buy that lake. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, sports memorabilia. Uh, I don't know. I, it would take a lot for me to buy any sports me- memorabilia. If you had all the money, it doesn't matter if you have. You know, uh, I'd be more it. inclined to go music memorabilia. To be honest, um, uh, sports. Um, fuck, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, like if you could I'd get like, like uh, one of the sticks from one of the original Leafs that they used to win the Stanley Cup, something like that. Skates I, mean, I or think balls. Or, yeah, music mm-hmm. would be easy for you. You like Lennon's piano. Yeah, stuff like stuff that, like that. I mean, for me, it would be a like, sports memorabilia would be easy, mm-hmm. like something from significant from Tiger Woods' career. You know, like maybe the yeah, the, the, like the uh, <laughs> I was going to say the uh, nine iron his wife used to beat up on him when in his car or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. Yeah, I I don't have any one like that. That's you know, I mean, the obvious one is like a Babe Ruth ball or Hank Aaron's. You know. 
home run career, home run setting yeah. thing, which has been topped or whatever. Baseball but card, something, or baseball something card. wider than something wider than like a leaf or a yeah. J or something. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. It's, you know, this is you know what this is. But, it's all just food for thought. It's all just food for thought. Did we ever, by the way, figure out where the uh, hand basket came from? Oh yeah, it's it's uh, kind of disappointing. Actually, the the original uh, thing that I read was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, it had it, there was like uh, the origin was the from the guillotine, and you know the the heads fell off into baskets in the guillotine, and that's what they thought. But that that uh, that's great. Like they, so, you'd be going to hell in a handbasket meant your head right. was going to hell. Yeah, your head <laughs> right to hell. Great. Yeah, that, that made a lot of sense. But then it fails a basic test because guillotines were invented in the 18th century and the phrase dates back to the 17th century. Oh, so, okay. So that couldn't have been it. And then it, it's, it seems that it's more like the, it's the uh, it's a letter H. So it's like handbasket, <laughs> hell in a handbasket. It's going to hell. But handbasket's in there because it sounded good. That's really all that it, you can attribute it to. Yeah, that whole concept always killed me. Let's get the guillotine. Let's cut his head off, but let's make sure it falls into a nice basket. Nice basket, nice quicker. Mary, yeah, nice basket. Did Mary bake? <laughs> did she weave this basket? Well done, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I read somewhere that the guillotine was invented to as a more humane way of killing people. Oh no, that's true because it's like instant, like boom, because yeah, your head's gone. I mean, but the also terror before when you know it's yeah. coming, but. Yeah. 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 Rather than beating somebody to a pulp, which I guess was done a lot back in the day. So, yeah, because here's the thing about that. Long before you get to the pulps section of beating up, they're in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, which is better than hanging. Hanging, there could be a couple of moments of, Jesus Christ. This really fucking hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about firing squad? Yeah, that's pretty instant, too. Well, it is and it isn't. Because you're being, because you're being shot, but there's lots of time before you literally, you know, before the channel, the the set gets turned off that you're feeling a lot of pain. The interesting thing I always found about firing squads was they had a stack of guns and one of them didn't have a bullet. So everybody would fire. One would have a blank. So nobody really knew. Who, who took the kill shot, yeah. Who took the kill shot or whether you were actually involved. Which I thought, you know. And uh, then there's the electric uh, chair. That's not pleasant. Uh, no, gas well, chamber. Especially gas when the way. foam comes out of your mouth. Right. The gas chamber. When did they stop using that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't look that up. Oh, there's so many questions, Dan. Um, <laughs> all right. Well. But I would say, yeah, the guillotine would be the quickest, cleanest. Like, you wouldn't know what hit you. Yeah, but as you say, there'd be that anticipatory v- v- anxiety where you'd probably shit yourself. Yeah. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you don't shit yourself into those circumstances. Yeah, we'd the prefer you didn't have, we'd prefer you didn't have your last meal because we don't want you to shit yourself right. when the guillotine takes your head off. E. It's all anticipation of the guillotine, you know, crowds gather, you know, they're on top of a big, you know, pylon of something. And then, and then whammo, the head comes off and then, mm-hmm. okay, it's done. Uh, um, here's the guy, here, here's the guy that I saw Saturday night talking about when people run into bears. Mm. Bears are so stupid. Bears think we all walk around with sh- in our pants. He says bears think we're, that we all walk around with shit in our pants. 
because everyone they've ever caught <laughs> well we're 12 for 12 you tell me just eat the top half and go find some garbage I thought that was great. Because <laughs> everyone they've ever caught. Um, all right, that's a lot of show. Uh, tomorrow we're back with, uh, we have a guest, uh, as, as, as uh, often we do on the Tuesday program, and that guest will be Jefferson Lumby. Uh, Jeff sent me some really inform- inter- sent me some interesting information about the myths and facts about the uh, online streaming bill. Maybe we can uh, bat that around a little bit with him tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right on. And then Wednesday, Tony Clement will be here. It will be interesting to get his perspective on mm-hmm. the uh, business in the Middle mm-hmm. East. Yeah, what goes on behind the scenes in situations like this? What do you? What Crazy. did you mean by online streaming bill? Uh, bill C. Where do I have it? Right in front. Oh, of me. oh, that. I thought I thought he was talking about you know how much cost him to to stream. No, it's shows. Bill C. Eleven, the Online Streaming Act. I have a. I'll send it right. to both of you. Okay. It's called right. Myths and Facts about Bill C. Eleven, and I'm going to send it to you to a fine gentleman right now. Oh, that's, yeah, like that's research a, then. Yeah, that's a weird issue, man. Because the very people that are the most against it are the ones that we that created the the need for it, maybe. Uh, okay, that's a lot. That's a lot on a Monday. It's a lot of show. Yeah, one other thing, Howard. I'm thinking one of... One other um, thing. Yes. No, I'm thinking of buying a new car. I'm not that I know. serious. And kick the tires. Would you come out with me and kick some tires? I'll kick your fucking tires. <laughs> <laughs> come on, we, we all knew that was coming. Listen, that's why they call it kicking the tires, because it does no harm. It, it does no harm. It does no harm. They encourage you to do it. <laughs> they do. Sir, kick some tires. Universal. The world over. In every language in every country. Kick some goddamn tires. Stand around. <laughs> this episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. For contests and comments, we read all those emails, and here is the email address. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Tell us what you think. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, go ahead, kick a tire, and enjoy every goddamn day. Fresh flow, pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's the